Today on Podcast by the Bay, we feature State Senator Scott Weiner from District 11. It's been a real honor to serve in the State Senate to represent San Francisco and Northern San Mateo County. Uh, my team and I work hard every single day. Uh, housing, of course, is a significant uh, uh, focus for us, and uh, I was proud to author and have the governor sign Senate Bill 35 back in 2017, uh, which is, has resulted in, uh, I believe, uh, 4,000 units of uh, approved housing at this point. Discussing housing and his new bill, SB 50. If you're within a half a mile of one of those fixed rail or fixed location sites, um, then you can't, the city can't limit the density, so can't say only single family homes, has to allow multi unit. Um, and then the city can't insist on a maximum height below either 55 feet or 45 feet. 55 feet in the first quarter mile uh, by the fixed rail stop, 45 feet in the second uh, uh, quarter mile. Uh, so it's four to five stories, multi unit. All coming up on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at highwaysoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And now, another Podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. And welcome to another rendition of Podcast by the Bay. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for downloading this show. And we thank you for spreading the word to all your friends. And so we actually have a wonderful show today. We actually have a very special guest. Uh, We're going to be talking about housing and things. But I first want to welcome back our co-host, Patrick Sullivan. Welcome back, Patrick. We had a wonderful campaign uh, for you for the city council for Foster City. And uh, we would like to welcome you back to Podcast by the Bay. And we're going to be moving. So, hey, just want to say welcome back, Patrick. Thanks, Andre. It's great to be back in uh, the podcast seat as a co- co-anchor. And thanks, Andre, for taking care of all the business that you needed to take care for Podcast by the Bay. It was a great service you did. Sounds good. And so we're going to continue on and kind of get down to business. And so one of the first things we wanted to do is get back into the issues. And so the issue that's on everybody's mind, still is on everybody's mind, is housing. And so while the campaigns were happening over November, while the action was happening, one of the things that was actually happening in Sacramento was a lot of these state bills were actually being drawn up. Drawn up. And so we actually, one of the state bills that we're going to talk to today is SB 50. And so F- SB 50 is written by uh, Senator Weiner, who we actually did interview 
uh, about maybe about five, six months ago. So we said, you know what, let's reach out to Senator Weiner again and get his perspective on SB 50 and really start going down there and to really talk about what's happening with SB 50 and really what the difference is between SB 50 and what happened previously with the SB 827. So we are excited. We're excited. We, we reached out. His staff were wonderful as always. Senator Weiner really made the time for us. We, we definitely want to thank you guys. Thanks to Senator Weiner and his office for that. So Patrick, you went down there. You got to speak with Senator Weiner. You want to give us a quick little update before we get to the interview? Just so everybody can remember, we interviewed Senator Weiner uh, in July and we had the honor of interviewing him in his office uh, in San Francisco on Golden Gate. And that's where we met again. Uh, it was an exciting opportunity. They were very accommodating. As you know, we were talking about 827. 827 with the housing kind of went down to defeat. Uh, senator Weiner is a very persistent uh, senator. Um, and he worked hard on a uh, Senate Bill 50. And that Senate Bill 50 uh, wants to work with the corridor transportation areas. He wants to work with more density housing, um, also workforce housing. Uh, he was clearly thinking that this is going to go through much easier. Um, I did also speak to him about the word that seems to be coming out there is redevelopment money. Um, as you know, the state of California in the last recession in around 2008 took all the redevelopment money back. And redevelopment money is used for projects in a city, could be used for housing or community development. So the word on the street is that they're going to work for it on legislation. And I know uh, Senator Weiner is working with another senator to propose somehow to get that redevelopment money back to the cities. Um, as we all know, the, the cost of housing uh, is not only uh, uh, expensive for the land, but it's also expensive for the construction end of it, too. So Senator Weiner is trying to uh, somehow get the cities more embraced with working with the developers to have more density housing. Um, I did kind of challenge him a little bit on the uh, why are we building uh, near the corridor transportation areas and we're continuing to put uh, cars, two-car garages and stuff like that. Uh, he didn't really have an answer for that, but he is aware of that. I did mention in the uh, quarter transportation areas, as you know, the state and federal government give sub subsidies um, or tax credit uh, to the developer, which is good if they use public or if they build near public transportation. So I was excited to talk to Senator Weiner uh, towards the end of the interview. I had a great opportunity to talk with him about the homelessness, uh, especially the homelessness in San Francisco. As you know, I am a native San Franciscan, um, and I took public transportation when I went down there to interview Senator Weiner. And any time I can, uh, as a podcast host, I try to use public transportation by any means to go there. I took the uh, BART from uh, from the uh, Daly City area and just got into and walked a little bit to Senator Weiner's office. Again, a great opportunity. I had about 30 minutes to interview him and a uh, wonderful opportunity. And uh, did you have any more questions, Andre, that, that maybe I didn't, uh, didn't answer uh, that you might want to remind me that it would be uh, good to talk to Senator Weiner about the next time I meet with him? Well, I did have a couple just updates regarding the Senate Bill 50. And so really, just for the audience out there, so things that are exempt from uh, Senate Bill 50 are really the non-residential land. So it's no upzoning in open space and farmland and industrial commercial. So if it's a farmland or if it's an existing piece, that is exempt. Um, there's exempt existing rental housing, right? Land with current tenants, previous tenants in the last seven years, or Ellis Act evictions in the last 15 years are not eligible. 
And the other one exempt is sensitive communities, and that's low-income areas are given until 2025 to have a community-led uh, process and where to build housing and at what levels of affordability. And the other thing is the one of the key elements you talked about parking is the parking requirements are reduced on the Senate Bill 50. So that really could actually change. Kind of you've brought this up many times about the Bay Meadows project where they actually didn't even have parking there, right? So I think there's some some uh, you know things that I know you're going to get into it with uh, Senator Weiner because actually he's the one. He's the source. And what's That's what we like to do here at Podcast by the Bay. We go right to the source. Let's talk to the source. Let's talk to the people doing it. Let's talk to the people in action and uh, once again um, I just want to say thank you to Senator Weiner thank you to his office his staff thank you for making this happen and we appreciate just being able to actually talk about these issues for the community for the region for the peninsula and for all the audience out there here at podcast by the bay so with that if you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. You can always find us on Facebook or Twitter. And at Twitter, our, our podcast handle is at podcastbythebay. And our Facebook page is facebook.com slash podcastbythebay. And uh, you can always listen to any of our shows for free. 24 hours a day, and that's on any of the podcast sites, whether it's iTunes, Podbean, Pocket Casts, whatever podcast site you listen to, we're on there. Podcast by the Bay. All right, so with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off, and we're going to get to the Senator Wiener interview. And uh, signing off, this is Andre. And this is Patrick. And we'll catch you on the next time of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. Today is Friday, the 21st of December. We have the honor to uh, follow up with Senator Weiner. We interviewed Senator Weiner in July, and this was on the housing uh, that's facing the peninsula crisis. Senator Weiner represents the districts of South San Francisco, San Francisco, Coma, Broadway, and Daly City. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay, Senator Weiner. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Hey, not too bad. Um, I know you had a challenge with the uh, Assembly Bill 827. Why don't we talk a little bit about the challenge with 827 and what are you doing currently with uh, Senate Bill 50? Uh, sure. Well, we uh, have a terrible housing shortage in California. We have a, a housing deficit in our state of 3.5 uh, million homes. Uh, that's equal to the deficit of the other 49 states combined. It's a terrible situation. That is, we're pricing out an entire generation. Young people can't get a foothold, can't move back to the communities where they grew up. People are living in overcrowded situations, living in their cars, homelessness. Uh, we have working families that can't afford to live anywhere near where they work, and so they're pushed into long hour-and-a-half, two-hour commutes, which is bad for families and bad for the environment because it increases carbon emissions. Uh, and w w it's not sustainable what we're doing. We need to allow more housing near job centers, near public transportation. We need to stop banning apartment buildings in these areas. Uh, and that's what the bill is about. And it's a, it's, a hard, uh, uh, it's a hard bill only because we have traditionally had uh, essentially pure local control over housing and zoning decisions in California. And maybe that worked for a long time, but uh, it doesn't work anymore. And we would never allow that for other important areas like education or healthcare. We would always have minimum state standards. And that's what we're trying to do here, not uh, take over uh, local decision-making, 
Uh, local control is important. I'm a former local elected official, but have some basic state standards so that we have a sustainable uh, housing policy in California. And when we proposed uh, Senate Bill 827 at the beginning of this year, it was uh, it, it it really uh, provoked a uh, really strong debate and dialogue. And, and even though the bill didn't move forward earlier this year. Um, I was really happy that it got people talking and debating and thinking about this issue that when we say we want more housing and more more housing that's affordable, what do we mean by it and are we willing to take the hard steps necessary? So over the last six or eight months since the bill died in committee, uh, we've been working with stakeholders um, to uh, retool the bill. And so a few weeks ago, I reintroduced it in our new legislative session. Uh, it's now Senate Bill 50. Uh, it has more protections for tenants and protections against demolition of buildings. We don't want to demolish housing for new housing. We want to add to the housing we already have. We don't want to evict people to have new housing. And we also are taking into account that in addition to wanting housing near uh, public transportation. We want housing to be near jobs. As could well. you could you comment on the repeal article of uh, thirty four, the California uh, Constitution, uh, so that the listeners could have a better understanding of that? Sure. Well, so there's a separate proposal that I'm pursuing along with my colleague Senator Ben Allen from the Santa Monica West LA area. So we are jointly uh, introducing a constitutional amendment to uh, remove or repeal uh, Article 34 of the California Constitution. Article 34 was adopted in 1950 by the voters. It is a uh, racist and classist constitutional amendment. And what it does is uh, it singles out uh, publicly built um, or financed housing, so essentially public housing or affordable housing, housing for low-income people, and says that if a city is going to uh, build any form of public housing, uh, the voters, ha you have to take it to the voters and the voters have to approve in an election. Uh, whatever one thinks about the voters voting on housing, here, uh, Article 34 singles out only one kind of housing for voter approval, and that is housing for poor people. Uh, it doesn't subject any other kind of housing to a vote of the people. And that's discriminatory. And frankly, Article 34 was passed uh, in order to keep black people out of certain neighborhoods. That was uh, uh, tragically the motivation behind it. Uh, it needs to go. It makes it harder to build affordable housing for low-income people today. Cities have to jump through weird hoops, and it makes it more expensive uh, to build uh, uh, affordable housing. Uh, so we, we want to repeal it and delete it from the Constitution. Well, you know, one other issue I know last time when we were back here, we talked about, and I think we do agree about the 3.5 million uh, houses that need to be built in the state of California. Um, is there any more answers that you may have on whether that, how does that break down with senior housing, workforce housing, uh, subsidized housing? Um, I know the, a lot of the cities are all grappling with the workforce housing issue, uh, especially in the peninsula with Silicon Valley uh, affecting San Francisco as well as affecting the Bay Area. So have, do you have any more figures uh, that we can, uh, we I, can grab I, a hold of? Yeah, I think it's a mix of everything. Um, there, uh, we certainly want to invest in subsidized housing for lower income 
uh, people and for seniors and for formerly homeless people. That's very important. We want to allow people to put uh, in-law units, otherwise known as accessory dwelling units or granny flats, uh, in their homes. That's a big source of potential new housing. Uh, we want to build student housing. Uh, we want to uh, um, build um, modular housing. There's all sorts of kinds of housing that we want. Rental housing ownership. Uh, uh, it's a mix of, of everything. Um, but one thing that's important to keep in mind when we talk about workforce housing or really housing for our middle class, uh, we're not going to have enough subsidies to subsidize our middle class. It's too big, it's too broad. It's gonna be hard enough to, to provide enough subsidies for low-income people who are the, at the greatest risk of becoming homeless. For our middle class, the solution is to have enough housing. It's to increase the supply so that we cool off the market and bring down prices. So it's a combination. Uh, it's an all of the above kind of situation. Kind of, you're kind of talking like supply and demand to see if we can kind of make it a little bit more comfortable for the people and being able to live close to their work yeah. areas. Yeah, so it, it is uh, supply and demand, uh, but not purely supply and demand because for our low-income residents, uh, the market is not going to produce in the foreseeable future housing that's affordable for them. And that's why the government needs to subsidize well, housing. But for the middle class, uh, it is about supply and demand. Well, you know, uh, San Mateo County, Santa Clara County, and probably San Francisco County, uh, a lot of the incomes have gone up substantially. And uh, sometimes a family of three could be considered even if they make $100,000 a year, into um, affordable housing or subsidized housing. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Because uh, one of the things that our listeners are really concerned about is the eroding middle class. Yeah. Um, the eroding middle class seems to be, how do we tackle that problem? Because obviously, if you worked at Google or you worked at Apple, um, they may have child care. They may have health insurance. They may have some subsidies oh. for housing. So how do we... Yeah. Um, and I know that's a bigger picture. I didn't mean well, to throw that no, out. No, I'm I'm very very uh, concerned about the uh, deterioration or, or reduction of uh, the middle class in the Bay Area. Uh, uh, we want economically diverse communities where we can have wealthy people and a, a large middle class and lower income people and people living together, and that's very beneficial to everyone. Where you have people from different backgrounds and different income levels. Uh, in, in a community and by, by systematically banning apartment buildings and making it illegal to build enough housing, that's what we've done through re restrictive zoning. By making it illegal to have enough housing, uh, we have effectively pushed middle income and low income people out of the Bay Area to the outer extremities of the region or into the Central Valley. When you, have, when you say, okay, we know that the jobs are here and the public transportation are here, but we're banning every kind of housing except for s single-family homes on large lots, and then, not surprisingly, those single-family homes on large lots are selling for uh, $2 million, $3 million, so that only wealthy people can afford them, it's not surprising that you see a loss of the middle class. So the way you encourage the middle class is to create opportunity for the middle class, which includes the opportunity to be able to afford housing, which means having enough housing and putting an end to the hyper-restrictive zoning that effectively bans and makes illegal 
almost all kinds of housing, other than big single-family homes on large lots that no one can afford. Well, you know, I'm excited to see on the peninsula, especially with the uh, Senate bill that, that passed, that most of the cities and their planning departments on the peninsula are, are looking at those granny units and trying to comply with the state uh, and encourage more density housing. Uh, so that's, that's exciting. Uh, one of the things I'm really excited about, the last time we were talking in here about corridor transportation areas, in your new proposal, um, why don't you explain to the audience what you're, uh, or to the residents and voters out there, what you're trying to do in your those corridor transportation areas in concern of housing? Um, so the new bill, it is uh, similar to the previous bill, but there are some changes. So, and there's been some misinformation about this. So just to be clear, and I'm going to get a little bit technical and specific here, but I want to make sure people understand. Um, if you are within uh, a half a mile of a fixed rail stop, not the whole rail line, but the stop itself, so a train stop, a subway stop, uh, or a ferry stop, if you're within a half a mile of one of those fixed rail or fixed location sites, um, then you can't, the city can't limit the density, so can't say only single family homes, has to allow multi-unit. Um, and then the city can't insist on a maximum height below either 55 feet or 45 feet. 55 feet in the first quarter mile uh, by the fixed rail stop, 45 feet in the second uh, uh, quarter mile. Uh, so that's four to five stories, multi-unit. Uh, in many cities, the height limit might be 30 or 40 feet, so it's not a huge increase. It might be one zero to two stories of increase. Um, in uh, If you are within a quarter mile of a high-frequency bus stop, and high-frequency bus stop means it has to run frequently, not just during rush hour, but uh, from the morning into the night and on the weekends. So uh, I believe it's uh, um, running every 15 minutes during rush hour and every, I think it's 20 or every 30 minutes during non-rush hour, but there, but regular seven-day-a-week service. Uh, if you're within a quarter mile of one of those kinds of bus stops, then the local height limit will apply. So we don't change the local heights, but, you, but density will be relaxed. So the city can't say only single family. You can still build a multi-unit subject to the local height limit. So that's transit. We also are creating a new category, which is not fully defined yet, we're working on it, about what we call high opportunity area or a job rich area. There are cities and their communities that, are, um, that don't have the best transit, but they have a lot of jobs, so strong access to jobs. So people living near these, or in these areas, uh, they may not be able to take transit to work, but they're gonna be driving much shorter distances, maybe doing a 15 to 20 minute commute instead of an hour and a half, two hour commute. So vehicle miles traveled and carbon emissions are reduced. Uh, and so we will be in those areas providing that local height limits will still apply, no change to local height limits, uh, but allowing for these small um, multi-unit apartment buildings. I know you're from back east, and um, you were quoted in the uh, New York Times about something called traffic congestion. Um, and I don't know whether it's a traffic congestion um, formula that you're going to use or that you were thinking about. Could you kind of explain what the New York Times was talking about when you were talking about traffic congestion? I don't know whether it's a uh, barometer or, or some kind of formula that you're using uh, for traffic. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if we have a formula. Traffic congestion is um, way up. 
uh, it, uh, um, it, it's terrible in the Bay Area. It's getting worse. Uh, and part of the reason that it's getting worse, uh, we're growing as a region, but people are having to live further and further out. If people could live more in the core Bay, Bay Area where the, where the jobs are, they won't have to drive as long or maybe not even drive at all. Uh, instead, we force people to live along, come in from Stockton or, or Tracy or Merced or Modesto uh, and, and drive really long distances and just completely clog up our freeways. We're not the only region that has this problem. Uh, other regions do the same thing. They, they, they just sprawl further and further out instead of building in the inner area. Uh, and it causes terrible congestion. Well, one of the major problems um, is traffic as much as housing. And the major problem we have is the single driver. Mm -hmm. um, what are your ideas, your proposal ideas on trying to get people out of their cars? I know um, with the studies of Google and Apple and stuff and Facebook, they're all doing limousines. But you know what? Half of them are empty. So we're even having an issue um, that people are politically trying to do the correct thing, but they're not taking, they're not taking the transportation. What can we do? Uh, I think when people live near public transportation and are able to rely on it, they do. Not everyone. And some people still have a car, but they drive less. Uh, but right now, we're not even giving people the option to use transit. We're telling them, you are, there's no housing for you anywhere near BART or Caltrain or Muni, you get to live two hours away and drive everywhere. Um, uh, to be clear, that when people live near transit, some people will still drive for various reasons. So you at least give people the option of not uh, driving. Uh, and, and that's what's key. It's not just about transit. You want people to have a lot of different options. Uh, you want people to have the option of, for some people, not owning a car at all. But for a lot of people, they'll still own a car, but they just drive it less. Well, one of the observations that, that I, we have uh, uh, Uber and Lyft that are all people coming from all over the Bay Area driving, um, you know, whether they're coming from Elpitas or Sacramento uh, or Livermore or Manteca, they're coming to the Bay Area to drive because there's work here and they're going to make some more money and that's the name of the game for them. So how, how are we going to, one of the things we talked about, and I, I'm excited you're talking about the transportation quarter places again. Again, as I mentioned to you last time, we have no study showing that anybody that builds near a transportation corridor place is actually taking public transportation. How can we how can we influence the people? Because when we are building near the corridor transportation place, we're building parking. We're building building one car and two car garages. Well, how can we overcome that? Well, sure. Well, I I, uh, I we know that when when you allow more density near transit, more people take transit, uh, but uh, we, you also want to make sure uh, that you're not building excessive parking. Uh, and so uh, the bill also provides that for these multi-unit buildings that are being built near transit, uh, that um, the cities cannot have high required parking, uh, that, it, that parking requirements will either be eliminated or um, significantly reduced. That won't stop developers from building uh, parking if they want to, but uh, what often happens is developers don't want to build any parking or want to build reduced parking, and cities are forcing them to build one or even two parking spots per unit. And what that does is it, uh, 
it takes up enormous amount of space and reduces the amount of housing you can build. It also, uh, required parking makes housing much more expensive. It can add 50000 or even seventy-five, dollars $100,000 to the cost of every unit. Uh, so we want to give uh, people more flexibility not to have to build a ton of housing. Now, one of the things that came back as a word that I've been reading is called redevelopment money. Is that redevelopment money going to be coming back to the cities? As we know, when we had the crisis in 2008, the state of California took the redevelopment and, and basically uh, took away that agency for the cities. Mm-hmm. Are we going to be seeing redevelopment money coming back? Uh, we're trying. Uh, there are three different bills pending in the legislature this year to uh, bring back a modified and more focused form of redevelopment um, focused on affordable housing and infrastructure. Uh, redevelopment as it used to exist was used well in some places but abused in other places and so it got eliminated. Uh, we want to try to create some sort of tool along the lines of redevelopment so that cities have an easier time uh, funding affordable housing. As I mentioned, I interviewed uh, 16 mayors in San Mateo County, and they all have different housing requirements. Um, I live in a very unique town called Foster City. We have uh, developed 20% a standard, which is way above anyone else in, in the cities. How can we encourage uh, the other cities to, to build more affordable housing or workforce housing? Uh, well, I'm a supporter of inclusionary housing. Uh, where where developers for projects above a certain size are required to have a certain percentage of housing affordable to low-income people. Um, I think it's a really important uh, tool. Uh, You want to make sure that the the percentage is not too high. If if the percentage is too high, it could make the project economically infeasible, uh, and then you end up with no housing. Uh, So there's a sweet spot, um, but it is a very important tool. Uh, and um, I think that there are more and more cities that are adopting these ordinances. Okay, I, I only have one more question for you. I'm a native San Franciscan, and I took public transportation in here, and, I, and it was very efficient. But I'm also walking around in San Francisco. What are we going to do with the homeless? I know we have a new mayor here, uh, London Bree, and, and I'm a little bit concerned about the homelessness, not only in San Francisco, but in the state of California. Um. Well, and there are a number of things we need to do. First of all, we want to prevent people from becoming homeless in the first place. So keep people in the housing they have, have stronger protections for tenants, and want people to stay housed to begin with. Uh, For people who do become homeless, um, for the people who are uh, simply don't have a home, uh, we want to have, um, you know, create housing opportunities for them, uh, including uh, subsidized housing to get them quickly off the street into housing. for our homeless population that has mental health and addiction problems, uh, we have to do more. And that's why uh, we need to expand our mental health and addiction safety net and also build uh, supportive housing, which is housing for people who, um, uh, who don't just need a home, but need a home plus support. So mental health services, addiction services, and so forth right there. Uh, so there are a number of things that we can and should do, and we're working on them. And I have a bill now, SB 48. Um, it's not housing, but creating uh, a right to shelter, 
Uh, because even though shelter is not the ultimate goal, housing is the ultimate goal, shelter is a critical transition off the streets. So if someone is on the streets today, uh, they need somewhere to stay tonight. And right now there are counties in California that have no zero shelter beds or counties that have shelter beds, but they're only open in the winter or they have very few shelter beds or nothing for youth or nothing for families. We want to make sure that we have a stronger support system so that people always have a place to go uh, if they find themselves on the streets. Well, this is the last moment for you, Senator Weiner, to um, express to the people in podcast by the Bay one accomplishment or two accomplishments that you're very proud of is serving as a senator for the state of California in the 11th District. Uh, sure. I, it's been a real honor to serve in the state Senate to represent San Francisco and northern San Mateo County. Uh, my team and I work hard every single day. Uh, housing, of course, is a significant uh, uh, focus for us, and uh, I was proud to author and have the governor sign Senate Bill 35 back in 2017, uh, which is, has resulted in, uh, I believe, uh, 4,000 units of uh, approved housing at this point, including a significant amount of um, affordable housing, and that's just right out the gate. That number will grow significantly. Uh, but we've also done a lot of strong work around uh, clean energy, uh, making it easier for people to put solar and energy storage uh, on their homes. Uh, and uh, we've done a lot of work to protect the LGBT community and uh, immigrants. And I'm really, I'm just proud of the work that we've done. And uh, I look forward to continuing the work for our community. In behalf of podcast by the Bay, Senator Weiner, we want to greatly appreciate your time, and we're, we're very thankful that you have given us your time and also your representation for the 11th uh, Senate District. Thanks, Senator Weiner. Thank you very much.
Well, I hope you enjoyed that beautiful rendition of the song entitled Flamengo Sketches, performed by Leo DeVito. And you can find out more about Leo and his songs at the HighwaySoul.com music page. Once again, if you have any questions, you have any feedback, please reach out to us at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcastbythebay, or on Twitter. Our handle is at podcastbythebay. All right. Until next time, keep on rocking. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.